What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Simply Walk the Talk. I am your host, Joshua J. Holland. And today we have a wonderful show prepared for you. This is actually going to be a life-changing conversation on the hidden power of craniosacral therapy with world-renowned teacher and medical pioneer, Etienne Pierceman. After a staph infection left Etienne with nearly 20% kidney function, he prepared to die. That is when he found the clarity of total silence 30 years ago. In a remarkable turn of events, he was able to heal his own body through little known healing techniques that emphasize the power of human touch and mental clarity. After he was able to he heal his own body with craniosacral te techniques, he realized the healing power of human touch could be used to help others suffering from chronic illness and life-threatening diseases. Welcome to Simply Walk the Talk. Our bodies and minds adapt to what we do most of the time. If you want to change your body and mind, you must change what it is you do most of the time. This podcast explores all things health, wellness, fitness, lifestyle, and biohacking. Stay tuned as we explore various thoughts, methods, and experiences from a multitude of conversations between our interesting guests and experts through many fields of work. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Simply walk the Now, ATN describes cranial sacral as the closest thing to the wonderful silence he discovered during his own near-death experience that brought him back to life. And thankfully for that, he is here today to talk to us. Mr. Piersman, welcome to the show. Welcome. Yeah. So um, let's, let's talk about this near-death experience and let's talk about kind of how you discovered what you discovered and why you're here today. Yeah. Um, near death, yes, that's quite a while ago. Um, total panic is the first thing that happened when I realized that my body wasn't functioning anymore. The, uh, the infection that I had, those bacteria, they were eating my valves, the valves of my heart. So that was the first thing I noticed that my energy level suddenly from one moment to the next just went down. Um, all the things I used to do, uh, even walking and climbing the stairs uh, were not easy anymore. And it became worse and worse every hour. And then on top of that, those uh, bacteria, they went to my kidneys. And that's really, really, really when I started to panic because my body couldn't get rid of the water anymore so i started blowing up my whole body was blowing up my face was blowing up and looking in the mirror that was a strange thing because you're used if you look in the mirror there is a face that you know and suddenly that face was different but the strange thing was from the inside feeling my face was also different it was not my body anymore. I couldn't feel the connection with the body anymore. So there was this, yeah, panic, mm. just plain panic. Mm. Like, hey, this is it. This is the end of my life. 
And I was in my 40s, early 40s at that moment. So, yeah, I was quite early, quite early. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine what that might be like, you know, <laughs> and, and I would say, fortunately, I haven't been in a situation like that, but I can certainly imagine what that might feel like. And, and the panic that may come up, right? Because, you know, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it, yeah. it can be quite scary, especially if you, if you don't know what it is or you don't know how to fix it. Um, so that leads me to my next question. Like, how did you come to discovering what you discovered that helped you? You know, it was not knowing what was happening. I only knew it was the end. But luckily, I already knew how to meditate. Mm. And that was the most amazing happening in the whole thing in the middle of the panic i went to a place where i could be quiet uh where i knew people they left me alone and they gave me a room to just be on my own and i started doing a meditation i had no clue what else to do i had you know i looked here and there what can i do and no clue yeah well then you go sit and meditate in the hope that a miracle might happen. And in the middle of it, you know, it must have been maybe half an hour I was sitting there. And it was a meditation where you just lit, listen to the Tibetan bells. Yeah, and gongs and hum at the same time. And in the middle of that whole thing, the bells going, uh, the humming going, and suddenly I found myself in total silence. It was as if something turned on or turned off in me. Suddenly the panic was gone, totally gone. And there was no mind anymore. There was no, well, yeah, nothing really. Just absolute pure silence. And with that silence came total clarity about, hey, it's all fine. I had no desires at that point, nothing anymore, no desire to stay alive, no desire to die. Total, total clarity and happiness. And even the word happiness is a little, is not, is too short or not short, but doesn't really convey the simplicity of silence. Mm. It was mm. overwhelming. Mm. And at the same time, everything was just totally fine. I found myself for the first time in the moment. And in the moment where you have, yeah, absolutely no desires whatsoever. Well, all right, that was the beginning. Or you could say that was the turning point. But my body was still so damaged that it was unable to survive, you could say. So, and then, you know, the whole journey started of people taking me to the hospital, being in a wheelchair, all these tests done on me. And it was as if it was happening to somebody else. I was just, I stayed in that, yeah, you could say that happy place the whole time, just watching what was happening. And, uh, well, okay, you know, they gave me medication to kill the bacteria. And that happened. And when that happened, you know, because I was so full of toxins from not being able to, yeah, to let the water out of my body, that I had uh, a period of two days that I don't remember anything. It was so much toxicity 
that my body, my mind went unconscious. There was total blackness for two days. And then when I came back, my body had lost all the water, the urine, you could say I was back to the normal shape, but my body was still damaged. And luckily, the silence was still there. It didn't change a bit to the silence. So yeah, that was the first step, you could say. And of course, you know, with a damaged body like that, they put me in a ward with people that were going to die, old, old people. Uh, I was in my beginning 40s, maybe 40, 41, something like that. So they put me there with all these old people ready to die. And uh, even that didn't change any of the silence I was in. It was just like a movie. Not a good movie, not a bad movie, just a movie. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So All right. one of the things that, that comes to mind, and maybe it's it's two things that comes to mind when you when you explain that that bit, and thank you for sharing that. Um I, I just try to paint a picture, at least for myself and hopefully for the for the yeah. uh, the audience. But you know, when you went to go into meditation, do you feel like there was a, a moment in your life when you were accepting death, possibly? And also on top of that question, how long was that sort of that first meditation um, for you to get to the point of, of experiencing silence? That was about 30 minutes. And it was not about accepting death. It was about huh, accepting life, I guess. Uh, you know, the panic before that was panic of dying. But once the silence happened, all that fell away, life and death fell away. It was totally fine for me to stay alive, totally fine for me to die. It was not a question anymore. It was just, yeah, the question stopped, mm. totally stopped, yeah. And all right, you know, then came that death experience. Uh, that was the next step. Before I started healing my body, I had to go through that death experience because my body was at the end of its life at that point. And that was in the middle of the night, around two, three o'clock. Uh, in that room, there were five other people. And one after the other, you know, they started dying. And I was just laying there watching. Yeah, one person, then the next, then the next. And every death experience that they went through was a little different. Some were really fighting, not accept, none of them accepted dying. Well, one accepted it because he had no energy to fight. He was just totally flat almost. And that was one, two, three, four, yeah, that just left. And uh, for me, it was wonderful. <laughs> it's strange to say that. But it was wonderful to see how that happens to a person, how they react and at a certain point, yeah, have to accept what is happening. Mm -hmm. One went totally unconscious when he saw that it was coming. Uh, one was really fighting. And for the other two, it was like a candle just blew out, just like that. So, all right, then I knew it's my turn. Mm. So, yes, yeah, so I laid back 
you know, I, I just laid back in my bed on the cushions and uh, just curious what's going to happen. And yes, uh, later I realized after a few years later, my body went through a few stages that the body goes to through when death is coming, uh, a heaviness, coldness, a hotness, all these things started to happen. And then the last aspect is more or less you just explode. Yeah, the body, the feeling of a total explosion where you suddenly uh, become like, yeah, like the Milky Way. You explode in millions and millions and millions of light points. So when that was happening, when I felt this happening, it was most amazing, amazing thing to, to realize. But when I was in the middle of that expansion, suddenly I felt myself back in the body, standing next to the bed. The last person on one side, yeah, he also was ready to die, but something with his heart happened. And it brought me back instantly in the body. And that whole death experience just stopped. I was back in the body and I could feel that the body didn't fit anymore. It, uh, I didn't fit in it. Mm. But anyway, there was some thing happening, some need of that person. And I went over to him. He was just next to me. I put my hand on his chest and... That was one of those amazing experiences. My hand went into his chest, like in the Matrix. Mm -hmm. Later, I saw that movie yeah. when yeah. pulls a bullet out. This is impossible, of course, but that was the energetic feeling I had. I even saw it happening. You know, I was still in that other world and partly in this world. So I saw my hand going into the chest, touching his heart, and suddenly something broke in him. Yeah, he got over what happened to him. And yes, we became good friends afterwards, but that was such an amazing experience. But for me, I was back in this body, and the silence was still there. But yeah, the, uh, yeah, all right, so I was back in a damaged body that was unable, totally unable to survive. Wow. So, wow. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's incredible because everything that you're explaining um, is somewhat similar to what I myself have experienced and what some others have experienced in terms of um, psychedelic journeys, right? Because, you know, all of these yeah. coming to the universe moments can be experienced in a, in, a, in a multitude of ways. And yours was through a near-death experience, right? Um, yes. And I kind of think about your, you know, when you said you were outside of your body and you put your hand in, in the chest, uh, sort of like the matrix, I, I look at that as almost like your angel, right? You are your own angel in that, in that moment. Um, and I, I, what's that? Sorry, oh, yeah. I'm just trying to get a, I was trying to get the matrix reference. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I just, I think it's really powerful because you have such clarity of this moment and it's so tangible for you. 
And this is what I, I like to talk to people about, regardless of if it's a near-death experience or if it's a, you know, a psychedelic journey um, or if it's just through extreme meditation. And yes. the fact that you had that within you is, is very amazing. And you're here to talk about it today, which I'm, I'm very grateful for. <laughs> yes, it's, it's a total clarity that happens at that moment. And, you know, for me, it was not as if I was doing something. It just happened, yeah. you know, and it happened to me as a person, as a body. I wouldn't even say as a person, you know, it, it felt literally as if I was a vehicle for yeah. the life force, you could say. Mm -hmm. And the things yeah. happened mm -hmm. and kept on happening after that. You know, it was like, for me, a door opened that I could allow the life force yeah, mm -hmm. to function through me. Beautiful. I'm really yeah. curious, just real quickly, I've, I've experienced, or I've actually worked with a gentleman who had a near-death experience, um, a serious heart attack where he was actually flatlined and came back. And I remember him the next day, or, you know, once he'd recovered, coming back into work, and he was a completely different person. He had this in incredible sense of optimism, humbleness, gratefulness. And, and I re it was part of my own journey, researching more people who would experience these things and what they occurred. And something that you're talking, speaking to now that i I found was that a lot of people tended to have, like you said, some sort of switch. Once they experienced this, it almost like it, it allowed something, whether it's in the, in the, the field of quantum or consciousness, whatever, we don't know the mechanics, but do you feel that people who experience near death experiences and there's data to back this up, there is some sort of thing that occurs where there's a new level they access or frequency or what are your thoughts on that? Oh, yeah, totally. You know, it was like my personality disappeared and the real me was suddenly there. Yeah, the, the, the thing that I was all along without knowing. Yeah, the clarity, the, yeah, the, yeah, optimism. It's just part of it. But, but clarity, uh, being able to, yeah, not go into bullshit. Uh, that doesn't mean I don't go into bullshit. Once in a while, it's fun to do that, watch whatever. Yeah, yeah. but, um, you know, nice. but the, when it really matters, there is this, this total clarity. And mm. what I did with that is I turned, and turned it into something that I can, can convey to people. I can take people with me on that journey of clarity. Mm. And, uh, yeah, that's what... The school is all about, yeah, uh, bringing the clarity that, that came to me, yeah, just bringing it with me. Mm. But you're absolutely right. Before all that, I was a totally different person. Mm. Yeah, so right now, um, Gordon has pulled up uh, the website. Um, speaking of uh, what Etienne was talking about in terms of the school so that he can sort of give back and to try to help people understand more of, of the healing process that he went through and the, the various healing modalities that one can experience. Um, which leads me to my next question, Etienne. Um, you, you had mentioned that once you went through that moment of silence and then you had the near-death experience, you still had to deal with fixing the damaged body. What were some of those first techniques that you discovered uh, to help you do that? Well, uh, I knew when, uh, you know, after that experience of dying, I had a handful of medication to take every day just to keep the heart going. Mm -hmm. 
and just to keep my kidneys going. So I told the doc, I knew immediately, you know, after one day of taking the medication, this is certainly going to kill me. It's mm. strange thought at that moment, but this is really going to kill me. So I told the doctor, uh, I said, uh, I'm sorry, thank you for, yeah, uh, killing the bacteria and so on and so on, taking me in here, but uh, I'm going to go. Uh, I can't stay here. It's going to end my life. And I knew there was more for me to do. So I called a friend. Uh, this was in Belgium, by the way, uh, in, in Europe. Uh, the hospital was in the Netherlands. And I called a friend and we went to Belgium, where they still have beautiful woods in the south, in the Ardennes. So I said, let's go. So we drove almost the whole day, you know, not knowing where to go. So suddenly we come in this wooded area, which is so fast. And I had no clue. So I guided him this way, that way, this way, that way. I had no clue. And suddenly, you know, I, I, I could feel, yeah, we are getting close. And we were on a dead-end road. I said, all right, this is it. It was nightfall by then. And he had a little army tent, you know. He put it up to go to sleep. So both of us in the tent. And that's when I felt, you know, um, I have to be alone. Uh, his energy was, yeah, so energetic that I couldn't stay close to him. He was too electric, too nervous. So I went out of the tent and I went in the woods and it was night by then. So I started walking and these are all pine trees. And, uh, you know, the, the floor, the earth was covered with a thick mat of uh, old yeah, pine leaves or whatever the needles are called. So I started walking and then after a little while, I saw a little clearing. And this was so funny. Yeah, the clearing was lighted. It was a circle of trees with light inside. And of course, yeah, there was no electricity, nobody with a candle, uh, no uh, beam of uh, UFO that was lightning. <laughs> it was just a lighted space. So immediately I was drawn to that spot and I went to sleep there in the middle of the clearing. It was very small. I went to sleep and as soon as I laid down, I was out of the body. Uh, hovering around, you know, watching what was happening there. My body just went to sleep, went into a deep space. And then suddenly there was all these animals coming around, sniffing at the body, looking what is happening. I saw snakes, I saw fox, I saw a, a deer. There was also at a certain point a boar, you know, a big mother boar with his noises, <laughs> a whole bunch of little ones. They all came to look what the heck is going on. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but what I noticed was the respect mm. of all these animals. They knew mm -hmm. that they could watch, could see, but not touch. They stayed, there was like a holy space around the body, and they, they knew that. That was so amazing to see the respect of nature mm -hmm. for something natural. It felt natural for me to be there. So, all right, in the morning, the sun comes up, 
it was in the summer and the heat of the sun allowed me to go back in the body. So I sat there a whole day. My friend brought me some soup once in a while. And four days and nights, the same thing happened. I went to lay down, left the body, woke up in the morning, got in the body again. And after four days, I told my friend, all right, it's done. I'm good. I felt totally different at that point. So we went back into society. And uh, a few days later, I went to the hospital just to see, just out of curiosity. All the time, the silence was with me or I was with the silence. That's a better way to say it. And uh, yeah, they checked me out in the hospital and my heart was totally fine. All the valves had regrown. And my kidney, and one was 87% that material. The other one was close to, I think, 60 and a little bit. They both were totally regenerated. Mm. Now, this was in the 1980s, and I'm still here. <laughs> wow. Well, I have yeah. some, 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 I'm very fascinated by that. Um, I have, a, I have some, some more questions along the lines of that story, but... To pick up the monotony here, I think this is a perfect time to go into the Pomodoro break I was telling you about. Um, so this is the point in the show in which I would love to sort of break up the the monotony of, of either us being uh, stuck in one position and or just the thought of one, one topic. Uh, what is something you would do for Pomodoro break? Like if you ever catch yourself in a, in a moment where, you're, where you want to kind of get unstuck for a while, what is something you would do? Well, one of the things I would do probably is walk around a little bit. But uh, yeah, that's also a bit boring because I'm going to go out of the picture. You won't see anything. <laughs> but <coughs> one of those things that is part of the healing technique that I teach people is, you know, between. And you just I just close my eyes and with, uh, with students, I do it, uh, you know, just just listen. You know, there is nothing you need to hear, but just listen to the voice. Yeah. And then when you close your eyes, there is a space between your eyes. There is also a space between your ears. We call it the middle. And if you go to your shoulders, one on each side of the body, in the middle of your shoulders, yeah, all these spaces exactly in the middle, and then connect to your knees, the space between your knees, the space between your feet, the space between your hips, all of it, all of it is connected to a certain place we call the midline. And in our work or in evolution, the midline is a spot that appears suddenly before the body becomes a body, there are stem cells. That is, cells that have no form yet. They are pure energy. And there is a whole bunch of us. That's how we start. And then suddenly those cells form a pancake. And then a line appears in the middle. And that's the same midline that I'm pointing at. Once that line appears for every cell that is present 
total clarity arises. Clarity about purpose. What it is they need to do in life. For every cell of the body, what it is that their purpose is. But also, where in the body they need to move to, to fulfill that purpose. That's what the midline brings. Total, total silence and total clarity. Mm. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you for that. That's a, it, it's a very beautiful picture that you painted. And I think it's a really good technique to help bring people back to the present moment. You know, it's I think a there's a lot of, yes. Yeah. That's a centering uh, technique because, you know, there, there's this common understanding that when we put our thoughts into the past, that's usually states of depression or can lead to states of depression. And we put our thoughts too far forward in the future. It can lead to states of anxiety. But when we, we can be centered, when we can be present, this is yes. that moment that is most important, the right now. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And there is no other moment. Right. It's the moment, only... moment right now. Right. Yes, yes, yes. So back to that, that very fascinating story you, you told me about. You know, I wouldn't be surprised or I wouldn't have been surprised if you told me that a UFO did, you know, come in and take you because... That's kind of where it was headed, right? The you know, opening in the in the forest and the lights shining and like, you know, you get lifted up. Um, but I'm curious, because that was such a, a profound experience for you, have you, did you or have you gone back to that space since then? Yes. Yes. Mm. Um, you know, so many years later, and this is another totally different story, but also wonderful. Uh, a year ago, I fell in love or... I'm rising still in love uh, with my new girlfriend and uh, she's from Seattle and I moved in with her. But we went to Europe because I'm teaching also in Europe and we went to visit the same spot. And the funny thing is I couldn't find the spot. So many things have changed, but I was in the same forest and I laid down again, just like I did then and immediately immediately I could feel the earth rising into my body. I could feel the same energy, yeah, coming out of that place and uh, just, just, just caressing. That's the best feeling uh, or the best way to describe it. Caressing me, holding me, you know, welcoming me like an old friend, you know, the earth, such an old friend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think... A lot of a lot of that makes me think, and, and again, I'm I'm not trying to deconstruct that moment because it's beautiful, no matter how you explain it, and the way you explain it is very beautiful. But a, a, a part of me wonders how much the effect of grounding had in that moment, right? And if that was the only effect, then you should be able to get that anywhere else that you lay down. But it seems like that that spot specifically was the spot that really gave you what you need, which is which is yes. amazing. Yes, it is. And I also felt on our way there, you know, we were attracted or I was attracted to that certain forest, yeah. that certain part of a huge forest. I was attracted mm. to that. But one of the main things that, um, you know, I haven't talked about is my mind, you know, with that meditation at the very beginning, the mind just stopped. 
and when the mind stops yeah then there is an opening to let some other mind in you could say the cosmic mind yeah so that was what was guiding me yeah that cosmic alliance yeah and that's a little more than grounding i find mm -hmm. yeah grounding to the earth is one aspect yeah but grounding at the same time to yeah the life force which is all around but you know for us it's more or less the sun yeah but aligning aligning the, the body to these two places yeah without mind being present is the main i think the main yeah energy that was healing me that was able to to do that beautiful so i i, I definitely think we've 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 painting painted a really nice picture of what you experienced through this you know this meditative uh moment in the very beginning like you described and then we went to the near-death experience and then now we went we transitioned to this this moment of you know you can call it enlightenment or you know the opening to the to the 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 cosmic mind where where what is the next steps in your journey in terms of uh especially when it comes to the physical body because i want to start yes. to, to to draw a bridge towards the cranial work yes 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 well my next step was you know my body was healed now but i lost all my my energy i couldn't function you could say in a in society uh the experience i went through was too severe to be able to function and make money in a mind-driven society so the first thing luckily i was taken in by another friend uh, and i could rest more or less you know for months uh, gain my strength back then i worked for uh, uh, for a, fa a factory that uh, was processing uh, natural foods you know, just to make money and get my strength back. And then I went to a meditation center somewhere in India uh, to learn to, to, yeah, actually to do a, a massage training. It's called rebalancing, just to get my body back in shape. I, I felt I needed to really, really, really take care of the body so I could, yeah, go in society again. And in that training, uh, there was a little piece of craniosacral given. It was something very new at that time. Yeah, it just was discovered and people were just taking, yeah, trainings in that. It was a four-day snippet. And as soon as I encountered that modality, I knew it. Yeah, this is it. This is what brings me the closest to the experience of total silence and actually the experience of letting go because that is nothing than letting go of everything you know yeah it's the craniosacral that brought me the closest to that and this was 80, 89 1989 and since that moment i haven't been doing anything else I have been yeah, developing what was available there to combine that with, all right, this is techniques to connect, 
to consciously connect to a body. Now, how can we include the immune system? How can we include the brain? How can we include stem cells? How can we replicate what I went through, what I learned in the woods? How can that be consciously repeated with people who are not so severely damaged as I was at that moment? So that's been my journey to bring that, you could say, in a more or less scientific way to students that they can, yeah, do it with themselves or yeah, present it to the clients they get. Hmm. So <clears throat> I, I would like to identify, especially for the person listening or watching, I would like for you to identify your, your understanding or your definition of cranial sacral work and what that means and what are some, some things that people can expect when they want to possibly enter into this, this world. Yes. Well, let me, uh, you know, it's called officially, uh, it started out as craniosacral therapy, but the word therapy puts a total burden on the work because now you're responsible to heal people. Yeah. What the work is all about is to bring back people's resources, to connect them to how wonderful the body is and how the body is just a specialist in healing itself. It's what we go through every night. When you go to sleep, you, uh, you lose or your personality stops, your ego stops. You're just for hours are not present. Yeah, it's that dark space, that black space. You're not there. Yeah, but what happens in the body is that's the healing space. That's where the body is regenerating millions and millions and millions of cells every night. So you could say what I went through is something the body knows already. Now, okay, your question was a little different. Uh, what is craniosacral actually? Well, what we do is we found a way of connecting to the bones of the skull so lightly, but so focused that we can feel when a bone is out of place. And it's very subtle, but every one of us has such feeling in their fingers. It's just an adjustment of fine-tuning senses. And what we do actually is with the cranial aspect of craniosacral is giving the brain as much space as possible. During birth, boom, yeah, life, worry, yeah, you think and whoa, 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 whoa. Your, your muscles here, they compress the whole cranium. So in our work, we give the brain back as much space as possible, so it will function better. And we do the same with the spine. We know the places where there is always contraction, always, always, always. So yeah, we know those places, we have techniques to put our hands there so that the spine also starts relaxing. And then the whole command center of the body just gets more space to work. 
and that is something that I learned. Yeah, the body doesn't need any help. If you take away the psychological aspects of worry and the mental, the mental aspects or the emotion that's still lingering from the past, if that's all gone, the body is perfectly fine without our interference. Yeah, it's basically techniques of taking away mind interference, just aligning back to cosmic input. Mm. And it is so simple, Joshua, it is so simple. You know, you put your hand on somebody's body anywhere, and if you just are conscious, yeah, you put your hand, and now you start feeling, okay, what is the pinky feeling, the ring finger, the middle finger, one after the other, the whole hand, you know, so it's instant, instant mindfulness, and your yeah. mind stops, you're so focused, and then about a minute into just one touch, the body of the client, but also the own body, starts producing oxytocin. It's yeah. the hormone that connects, that makes two people into one. So like a mom and a baby. So we also call that the love hormone. So at that point, there is total love, total oneness between you and the client. And then at the, on top of that, there is this instant mindfulness. And then... Yeah, and that's what we need to learn is how does the body work? Yeah, how does that subtlety all work? Yeah, so you start understanding the body and then the rest is just joy. You know, we actually, we don't do a lot. Just touch and follow what happens inside. Now, a little, yeah, when you touch one bone like this one here, the strange thing is if you're light enough and that's easy to learn but the bone then will move a little bit and it will move exactly to the spot it's stuck and then it waits and it disconnects by itself and then it goes to another mm. and another spot so that's our work just following what the body tells us it's so easy yeah i've, I've had some I've been fortunate enough to have some craniosacral work um, before. And yeah. one of the first things that I distinctly recall, because I'm I'm someone that loves human connection, right? Like there, there's a healing power in human connection. And yes. I'm the person that, especially before the pandemic, um, I literally was getting massage at least once a week and many times twice a week because I realized I was yearning for that human connection. And then okay. I think one of the big things that came about during the pandemic is that I think a lot of us discovered just how far away we went from healing because we were forced to be separated, yes. right? And, and then I think the, the, one of the big takeaways I grabbed from my cranial sacral um, therapy, the first time I ever did it, was that it was much, much, much lighter touch than I had ever experienced, but I felt almost lighter in a way. It just, it just, it, it, like clarity is a word that comes to mind. Um, and I was trying to explain it to people, but I just couldn't quite explain it well enough, you know? Yes, and so yes, yes. here you are. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, yeah, the mind, the mind can grasp it, you know, that explanation. It's yeah. a no-mind thing. And yeah, words fall short of any no-mind experience. Yeah. Right. That's right. Yeah, so, you know, I, I think for, for the person that is following this, this, this conversation, whether or not we say anything that gets you to go, okay, I'm going to do it, I would certainly say just just try it, you know, and I'm sure Etienne can can uh, give us some some can lead us into the right direction, sort of like uh, how he was led to the forest. <laughs> um, I'm sure he can uh, tell us like some of the best practices and things like that. But um, what Gordon has been doing has been pulling up the website. So I, I want to make sure we mention that. So what is that website you have up, Gordon? Piersmancraniosacral.com, uh, and I'll have it in the show description as well. Okay, perfect. Yeah, so you can, if you're watching the show, you can see the video that's playing right now. And it's, you know, Etienne is holding a, a skeleton and he's, you know, doing some of his light touch practices. And even me just watching this right now, <laughs> like it, it just feels relaxing and it feels centering. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm quite certain that sometime soon, I'm going to book another session because um, I haven't had it done in a while. And um, now that we're sort of on the other end of this pandemic, I don't see why not, right? So <laughs> absolutely, yeah. You know, we, one of the things about it, uh, there is another uh, website you could say, Cranial Rocks, where people are guided into our stuff. And uh, we just started the video that you just were showing. Uh, we started our first online classes about craniosacral. So anywhere in the world, people have access, yeah? Uh, otherwise they come to class, you know, it's in person, but now they have access uh, to, yeah? I explain our all first, yeah? Uh, classes are four day classes. And in this uh, online class, I give the first basic, yeah? Class about how to touch where, the hands need to be placed. So it's basically our first class online. And that's uh, a first for craniosacral, actually. It's important. Yeah, yeah it, it makes me think, um, because I want to key in on the, the thing that you mentioned, which I thought was a beautiful explanation in, in terms of the, the back and forth between the practitioner and the, the, the receiver, the client. Um, yeah. And so that, that leads me to ask the question, is there also some benefit to doing some of this on your own? Like, you know, do you give some techniques on people doing craniosacral work on their own, on themselves? It's, uh, I don't really specifically give them online, or, uh, but it's very easy to do, you know, to work on this own. But as you say, Joshua, it's so much more fun <laughs> to be touched by somebody else. Absolutely. You know? And also, you know, the person that touches you, uh, yeah, you can totally let go. If you do it yourself, you know, you need a little practice in it. You need a little more knowledge to do it yourself. But, uh, you know, COVID, you know, showed us that touch yeah, if you don't touch, you go away from being human. You step away from, yeah, the most precious thing that we have is the ability to touch each other. Yeah, like a mom and a baby, but also friends hugging or lovers, you know, being together. Just 
touch. Oh man, without that, where would we be? That's right. right. That's right. And yeah. and for for those listening, if you want any more examples on the other forms of touch, please refer back to our episode with Susan Bratton, <laughs> um, because there's a lot of other ways to touch. So oh yeah, uh, there's that. <laughs> anyway, um, so I I before we get to the last two questions, I want to make sure that I've created the space to be able to allow you to to talk about what you really want to talk about. Are there anything, are there some other things that you that you would like to mention? Because obviously your line of work, you are so well experienced in in so many different things. Um, and you've do you've done so much. I just want to make sure we have the space to give you enough. Oh. Yes. How much time do I have? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we got we got plenty of time here. You know, um, one of one of the uh, one of the uh, courses that I developed is it's called talking to the heart, and you know uh, our work is not just silent. Uh, it starts out with just going into that deep space, into total silence, but clients need sometimes to express something you can feel something there is an emotion stuck or a mental thing that is stuck a trauma anything yeah so in silence it's not gonna work you get to a certain point but then they need to express yeah they it needs to come out of their system it needs to be expressed so one of the things uh, the first classes that i developed actually is uh, I call it talking to the heart. And the heart is the organ in the body, the very first that starts functioning. After 17, 18 days after conception, your heart starts beating. So you could say that your heart has seen, felt everything in your life, everything up to now, your heart knows it. Now, in that class, we go and look at yeah what is the protection of the heart because hey when you're born the heart is very small it can be hurt any moment luckily the heart has a protection a pericardium it's a membrane around it and it protects the heart but it also protects from mental emotional any input that might damage the heart that might hurt the heart the pericardium just absorbs it now not always fully but it does its best and sometimes it needs to become really really hardened and thick and then you become an adult and you can't give love or receive love because the protection is so thick so many people know that feel that have that so in this class, we're going to look at, all right, you know, do you still need that thick layer of protection? And there's all kinds of reasons and stuff. We look into that. But then finally, and this is what I wanted to convey, finally, we can talk to the heart. Now, I can ask you, how is your heart doing? And then you're going to give me a mental answer. Mm -hmm. But if I ask you, hey, Joshua, can you lend your voice to your heart so I can communicate with your heart directly? Mm -hmm. Now, oh, oh, oh. 
<laughs> now your heart has a voice. It's your voice, but your heart can use it. And then the trick for us is to keep the client, yeah, not just picking suddenly, going back into the mind, but the heart itself talking. Now, that is a life changer for so many people because they have not listened to their heart their whole life, most of them. Yeah, so now having a direct conversation, yeah, about yourself, yeah, your heart telling you, hey, look at this, look at that. I need this, I need that. Yeah, that's a whole different thing. So, yeah, that's one of, one of our classes, yeah. That very much reminds me of a lot of the work that I've had to do in terms of my health coaching certifications and, and just my practice in general. And we, I, I distinctly recall the, the differences that were laid out between the brain, the heart, and the gut. Yeah. And just when you were explaining what you explained, I was able to tune in exactly what you were saying. And the moment you mentioned, can you lend me your heart? or the voice of your heart, it just felt different, just instantaneously. It felt yes. different. Yes. You know, and that's, that's what's powerful because it's the difference between, um, you know, asking closed-ended questions or open-ended questions. And, you know, we're taught as health coaches to, to ask more open-ended questions so that we can, we can discover a lot more so that we can then help yes. the person yes. a lot yes. more. Yes. And that's kind of what that feels like to me. And I think it's so yes. powerful. It's beautiful. Yes. Yes. You know, at the same time, and that might be the biggest trick, actually, it's not just lending the voice to the heart, but as a practitioner, your hands are on the client and usually straight on their heart also, mm -hmm. you know, so there is this instant interaction, physical interaction between cells, between heart and the practitioner. And then if the practitioner uh, doesn't come from their mind, but stays in that no mind space, yeah, then, yes, you have a real heart connection. And the heart will talk also in a slightly different voice than what the client is used to. Yeah. It sounds different. Yeah. It's, it's, it sounds it's, ancient, actually, that voice. So powerful. It, it really is powerful. And I, I, don't, I don't want people to think that we're not going to offer them something, right? Because I want to make sure that um, that they have an opportunity to now, let's say they've gotten to this point in the show and they're like, okay, enough already. I want to go and do this. Where do I go? Can you offer some, you know, especially here in, in the US, but even around the world, can you offer, you know, and, and I know you mentioned that you have online. So I think that's one, one thing to re recall, yeah. but is there something, is there anything else that you can offer for people to go and to try some of this stuff you're talking about? Well, yes, you know, there is so many schools, actually. And of course, you know, they're all a little different. Uh, if you want to connect to us and we have people in New York, you know, very good, very good students, uh, graduates that uh, that are doing the work. I, you know, Cynthia, uh, I forgot her last name but you know you can connect she's in brooklyn uh you can connect and there's a few more but you can connect to our website via craniorocks.com or you just look up craniosacral therapy on the on the internet and there is a few schools 
there is a school, biodynamic it's called. They specialize especially in, in total silence. Then there is uh, another school, a pleasure institute, where uh, people also learn to talk a little different than us. They don't go as deep into the silence. Uh, but, you know, uh, yeah, find a craniosacral practitioner and, you know, just try it out. That's yeah. the thing. You will never know what it is unless you try it out at least once. Okay. Beautiful. And I, and I love that sentiment because that's very much how I am. You know, I'm a person that's just like, we can, we can belabor a certain point and try to find research and we can do all these things. But I think that's sort of like a self-limiting belief when we try to find information and then we can't find it. So then we don't try it. I say, just try it, you know, yeah. which, which also leads me to the next point, which, or a question that is, is, is there anything that you would consider a contraindication for craniosacral work? Oh, well, you know, that's, that's one of those things. Um, in the beginning, there was so many contraindications because people really didn't know what this work was all about. But I don't find any contraindication besides, yeah, when you had an accident and you can actually see the brain, send the person to the hospital. Yeah. But otherwise, our touch is so light, mm -hmm. so incredibly light. We don't interfere. Yeah, we don't manipulate like a chiropractor with the neck. We don't do that. We just touch and we wait for the body to tell us stuff. The only little thing that yeah, I always tell people don't uh, work with people with concussions unless they are able to come to you. Yeah, don't go interfere. Uh, when they can come to you, anything is possible. Mm -hmm. And you can touch. For the rest, it is so light, so light, that there is absolutely no danger. Hmm. I, I, I will offer this too, um, and thank you for that. Um, I have two small kids, a four-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old, and both of them have gone through craniosacral work. And oh, fantastic. It's, it's, it's incredible. Music to my ears. Yeah, yeah. So um, their mother, my partner, she um, is uh, German and Hungarian. And, and, and what she does in part of her world, um, she's very much very spiritual. And she's done a lot of work in craniosacral work, which is why I knew about it in the first place. Um, and it was one of those things that was almost imperative for our kids. And, um, and I'm happy that they have that foundation. And this yes. is another reason why I was excited to have you on the show, because um, I wanted to myself, if nothing else, understand a little bit more about it. And um, you've been very great at, at explaining it. It's, a, it's amazing. Thank you. A, a little thing, you know, there is uh, my second book is coming out soon, but that's that's not the point. Uh, I wrote a book. Uh, it's on the market. It's called Craniosacral Therapy for Babies and Small Children. And it's the only book that yeah, is on the market about treating babies. Yes, there it is. Yeah. Your uh, partner must know that book, probably. Absolutely. I would imagine so. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And no, it's, it's really powerful. And, and so what is the other book? So you have, you have two books. I mean, we may as well discuss Well, it. the book is going to come out in the next month or two. We're still, we were so busy with the online classes, but it's going to go, going to be called the tantric aspects of craniosacral. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And, uh, there's a lot of topics in there. And one of the topics is lotus birds, uh, how, you know, when a baby is born, you don't need any aggression at all. You know, no cutting of the cord, no clamping of the cord. Just let that placenta come out. And after a few days, the placenta, the umbilical cord will disconnect by themselves. And this is so important. You know, that placenta and umbilical cord have so much still to give to the baby that needs to go into the baby, not cut off. So that's one of the uh, one of the uh, things I talk about in the book with examples, uh, mothers that went through that and they have their story in there. <coughs> and then, yeah, it's called Tantric Aspects. It's, uh, I talk about all the meditation techniques that we use in our cranial work. Yeah, I talk also a part of our cranial work is also that I added so many different things to just cranio, so to be able to address the whole person. And uh, yes, we do systemic work, we do uh, SOAS work, emotional release. Lately, we also introduced for women only vaginal work to release the vagina and you know, it's such a deep foundation for a woman, uh, such uh, trauma over the ages that, you know, it's quite easy to heal that. Uh, and yeah, it, the book talks about, you know, all that is possible that needs to be included to treat a full person. I, I love that you have been able to show that there's so much more to cranial work than just the head that that is yes. one of the, the biggest takeaways that i that i've received in, in speaking with you and i appreciate that all right yeah okay um all right well i think this is this is good i know we we discussed a lot and um you know gordon you you mentioned the point about stem cells and he addressed that a little bit in the uh in the Pomodoro break, which was, which was beautiful. Yeah. Right. Um, and, uh, cause Gordon had uh, typed in the chat about, uh, talking about the stem cells and the supercharging powers of that. Um, you know, feel free to, to, to jump in on that if you want, because we, because I have time and I think we all have time if you want. Um, but I just want to make sure that, that you've gotten the chance to kind of document everything you've wanted to talk about today. Yes, you know, I could do a whole show about stem cells, actually. It's one of those amazing, amazing, uh, yeah. It's actually the beginning of life, you know. When an egg is fertilized, you have the first stem cell. And that first stem cell is one cell. You know, when you look at its development, it's going to go through the development, not just of a human, but life itself. It goes from the very beginning when the first cell ever happened to the whole of life, a stem cell, we, you, me, we all start as one cell. 
And then this body of trillions of cells is produced by that one stem cell. And of course, our body is, you know, we have so many stem cells inside and they will create anything you want. If your heart cells need repair, they will make it. If your brain needs new cells, stem cells, specialized brain stem cells, they will make it. And also, you know, with oxytocin, yeah, when you touch that way, stem cells wake up. They feel, they feel the connection of no mind. They don't have a brain stem cells, yeah, but they are connected to that universal life force. Yeah, that's where they get, yeah, their energy from. So when there is a no mind space, when you stop thinking, yeah, actually you as a person go to the level, you yeah. rise to the level of stem cells. Yeah, and then, and that's the magic, they will feel your intent, what is needed, they will feel it. And before, as a practitioner, before you think or feel, I have to go there or I have to do this, they already pick it up and they already start with it. It's uh, amazing the yeah, simultaneousness of us in no mind and stem cells. Yeah, They are totally in the moment and they pick it up right away, whatever it is that needs to happen. That's beautiful. Yeah, like uh, Gordon had up the uh, the PubMed um, article about the priming of mesenchymal stem cells with oxytocin and how it enhances oh, yeah. the, the cardiac repair of ischemia oh, yeah. reperfusion injury. So that's um, thank you for sharing that, Michelle. This is um, you know something that uh, I'm a big fan of, of of research, and and I love being able to kind of draw the in betweens. But if you if you're also like me and you don't necessarily need that to get started, then just, you heard it from us. <laughs> you heard it from Etienne himself, you know, <laughs> this stuff works. <laughs> yes, you know, that article, it's, it just came out, but we're working already the last 15 years, 20 years with that. You know, it's a, when you get into that no mind space, the body, yeah, the body will, will show you these things. And uh, yeah, now finally, they're starting scientifically, yeah, mm -hmm. to, uh, acknowledge what has been happening yeah already along in our community yeah it's it uh, stem cells is a big discussion in, in a lot of the things that i do because it's it's super important for regenerating the the body and the mind you know the the okay. entire system and yeah. um, i have a few techniques that i use uh that's a little bit more tech <laughs> involved using things like uh, pulsed electromagnetic magnetic field or frequencies. Um, okay. I, I like to use grounding. Um, I also hydrate properly. I mean, I, all of these things are important for building up stem cells, of course. Um, but then we can also add in craniosacral work. So <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And you can also talk to your stem cells. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. We're going to do a lot of talking to ourselves, and that's okay. <laughs> talking and touching, right? <laughs> okay. Um, well, this has been fascinating, and I think, you know, if we, if we get to a point where we, you want to do more, um, we can certainly invite you back on the show. This has been so fascinating. 
now I want to get into the uh, the fun questions. <laughs> All right. So, um, I, my first question is, what is one or two top pet peeves of yours? Like, what are a couple of things that just kind of annoy you or get under your skin? Oh yeah, traffic, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's always a good one, right? Because everyone oh, gets yeah, annoyed. You know, it never fails. It never fails. Right. You know, you want to annoy yourself, hop in the car, go drive. Yeah, it never fails. Yeah, like I, <laughs> right. I, I don't. I don't really know anybody that loves traffic. You know what I mean? It's just one of those oh, things. Yes, yes, yes. Don't don't get me wrong. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Really, really, you know, I'm born in Belgium, and there they make it an art not to let you in. <laughs> okay, super aggressive. That's style. <laughs> so I grew up with that, and I drive. When I go to Belgium and I hop in a car, I'm part of traffic. Uh, <laughs> I enjoy it so much. You're, you're part of the system. I mean, to be fair. <laughs> I, I, I don't actually mind traffic that much because one of the things I do, like I live in New York City, obviously, and um, I don't drive as much as I used to because I'm from Oklahoma. Uh, but every time I do drive in New York or, you know, sometimes I drive from New York City to the Hamptons to work with clients or when I go back home to Oklahoma and I'm visiting I usually drive. And one of the things I love the most about being in a car, regardless of traffic or not, is um, the ability to listen to music and the ability to listen to podcasts without interruption, wow. you know, okay. because when I'm in New York, of course, most of the time I'm on the subway and whatnot. I do have music or, or podcasts on, but I have to always be a little bit more alert because you never know when the, when the conductor comes onto the, onto the, uh, the microphone, and you can barely hear them as it is, and they'll be like, "Not stopping, not stopping at that." And I'm like, yeah, "Wait, yeah, what?" Yeah, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but but yeah, traffic is a good one. Do you do you have another one that comes to mind? Another pet peeve? Oh, no, not really. Not really. No, no, no. Okay, yeah, you're you're a man of a few a few um, pet peeves. I love it. Okay, so my last question is, and it's it's certainly one of my favorites. What is something you're most grateful for? Whole life itself. <laughs> you know, to experience this planet and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, to, uh, yeah, I think I'm most grateful for all my mistakes. Mm -hmm. You know, the, I can see now that the rain is gone. I can see clearly <laughs> right. I was going there <laughs> you know yeah, you better so love rain <laughs> right oh that's beautiful I love it okay well um this has been a real treat Etienne and um I am I, I'm hoping that the the person listening and watching I hope you got something out of this I, I certainly did and um it's been it's been a joy having you on can you just make sure Obviously, Gordon is going to list all of the the uh, the links and things like that in the show notes. Um, but for those that are listening, can you just quickly mention some of the uh, the places that they can keep in touch with you and what you're doing? Well, the easiest to remember is craniorocks.com. Rocks, 
R-O-C-K-S and Cranio is C-R-A-N-I-O, CranioRocks.com. And then they come on our website and can see what we are doing. And are you on social media? Are you on TikTok, Mr. Um, ATN? Not <laughs> myself, but... Uh, <laughs> That is, uh, uh, yes, yeah, Michelle uh, is arranging all that. Uh, I'm the one that is not so, yeah. We got we to gotta see you dancing on TikTok, Mr. Per Mr. Pearson. <laughs> oh, man, yes, yes, yes. I have a few good moves, actually. Uh. <laughs> you could do like the, the, the cranial dance, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I still have light touch. <laughs> the light touch, exactly. Very cool. Um, well, again, thank you so much for your time. I know it's uh, quite, um, you know, this, these are quite important. And I, and again, I appreciate your work. Thank you for what you're doing. And I'm going to try to look up, uh, you said her name was Cynthia. I'm going to try to find her or anyone else here in New York. And uh, maybe I can get something done before I leave. Michelle, there it is, Cynthia Cop. Copper. Cop. It was not Cynthia, but Cynthia Copper. Yeah. A-O-P-P-E. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to hopefully send some traffic her way and send some traffic to you guys. And um, for all the listeners and followers, thank you for your time. It's been a true pleasure. This is Josh signing out with Simply Walk the Talk. Peace. Walk the talk, talking facts, move like me, but I move a little fast, make my move, here to last, fasten these seatbelts, I'm coming past, take care of me, longevity, hack my biology, better believe, walking the talk, so mind and body connected, better come give us a listen, better come give us a minute or two, open the box up, we giving you tools, giving your engine the fuel that it needs, breathing into it, it's autoimmune, make a connection, we're stronger in two, making us one of a kind of a few, work on the mind, but show me your moves, if you do what you say, you know what to do, yeah. Simply walk the talk